Hey, welcome to the sixth episode of And A, a podcast with Aaron Epperson and Matt Hulamard. Today we're joined by Malia Spencer, who is the startup and uh, tech writer for the Portland Business Journal. Uh, we're going to interview her today about her life and how she ended up in Portland and uh, why she's doing what she's doing. So thank you and welcome to the show. Awesome. I feel like I should sit here and go, uh, uh and uh, That's kind of why I named the podcast okay, that, because right. I, uh, a lot <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I've known of you for a while. I mean, obviously, um, you write a lot about what's going on in the business community here in Portland. Uh, a lot of startup stuff, a lot of tech stuff. I, that's your main focus? Yeah, um, I was hired to cover it just broadly technology. And when they initially were recruiting me, um, they basically kind of said that there's this whole tech ecosystem that's really growing here in Portland and the Business Journal up until that point didn't really cover it and they didn't quite know how and they wanted somebody to come in specifically and cover this growing community and so um, I was looking to get back to the West Coast and they said that sounds fun. Nice. Um, So I, I kind of have since then sort of morphed the job into I cover tech, I cover startups. Um, I sort of look at the startup as with a real broad definition. So there's obviously the like, you know, fast growth, VC funded stuff, but then I'm also interested in, you know, the food startups or mm-hmm. the apparel startups. And as once they get to a certain size, they might go to the reporter at the paper that actually covers that beat. Or sometimes, you know, a, the apparel reporter might be super interested in some apparel startup in town. And so, you know, he'll cover that closely. But I try and um, use a broad a broad definition and cast a wide net because there's a lot of people doing a lot of really interesting things here. So There's a lot of people doing a lot of interesting yeah, things here. It's, it feels like it's growing fast too. Yeah. Just a lot of people coming. Yeah, actually, um, so you mentioned that you wanted to get back to the east. To the west coast. West the coast. Best coast. The best coast. The best coast. Where marijuana is legal everywhere now. <laughs> um, did you uh, did you grow up here or? So I actually grew up in the Bay Area. So I'm one of those people. Um, one of those people. One of those people. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Matt's from California. <coughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I grew up actually just outside San Jose, so in Silicon Valley, and um, I lived outside. Of, I lived in San Jose. Oh, cool. Yeah. When was that? Uh, like five years ago. Okay. Four years ago. It was it was good. Nice. But I wanted to come home. All right, right. See, that that's kind of my my whole thing. I so I um, grew up in California. I went to college down on the Central Coast in San Luis Obispo, oh, nice. mm-hmm. which is just stunningly beautiful. So and nice I did summer. not appreciate it nearly as much <laughs> at the time. At the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, like now that I've moved away, I don't understand why I wasn't at the beach every single day. Um, <laughs> now that there's a coast, not a beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So um, anyway, so I grew up in the Bay Area, went to college on the Central Coast. My first job out of um, out of college was in northern Santa Barbara County um, as a government reporter for a daily newspaper. Oh, wow. And uh, covered local government. So that was kind of my, my you know, first, first real job. And then um, I ended up going to grad school in Chicago. And then after the right as the economy tanked, so mm-hmm. it was freaking out. Um, 2008. Yes. What a great year. <laughs> I started I started grad school in the fall of 2008. Yeah. So just in time for, you know, Bear Stearns to go under and uh-huh. stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, God. Um, my intention had always been to go back to California and be a politics reporter. But I um, didn't understand what was going on mm-hmm. with the economy. And mm-hmm. I really was wanted to. And so I took the business reporting classes in grad school and um, 
ended up getting recruited by the, the parent company of the Portland Business Journal, and they lured me with a job in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, so right. <laughs> I ended up in Pittsburgh for four years, um, which was an adventure, and it was fun. And then I was like, oh, I n- need to not live in the snow. So <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yes, cold. I was done with like real winter, especially so. from people from California. Yeah. No offense. Wow, that sounded really offensive. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, people it just from makes California sense, right? stealing well, I mean, our water. I, and... I totally enjoy skiing. I mean, I skied growing up. Like, I love being yeah. outside and you know, in the winter winter sports and stuff like that. But I don't want to live in it. I want to mm-hmm. drive to the mountain, do what I do, and then I want to come home and have no snow on yeah. the ground. That's fair. That's so. that's I can see that. So, why journalism? Mm, deep question. Um, is it a deep question? No. So, fun fact about me is the attempt I did at college. Like I was a journalism major. Nice. And I really liked it. And then I didn't finish college. So I'm, I'm really kind of curious as to why you decided journalism was right. it writing or was it wanting Curiosity. to know everything? Well, I always joke. I was like, I hate writing. No. Um, so I was a really like super oh, nerdy little kid and I have wanted to be a reporter since I was a kid like fifth grade like elementary school I was like I want to do that um, what was it and I, so I, it was probably my parents my parents are both teachers and they were really up to date they liked to be informed about things basically and so you know they watched the news every morning while we were getting ready like there was no cartoons in the morning before school or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? The, they were those parents? The news was on. The and we were watching the news. It was, well, it was the Today Show when the Today Show still did news in the morning. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> this is like making a face Frank right Gumble <laughs> days, you know, yeah. there was still news in the morning. And so my parents, they had that always on in the mornings. And then at night, again, like, there was not, my we did not have control over the TV. And so in the evenings, it was the local news, and then it was the NBC Nightly News. Mm-hmm. So I always joke with people that um, Tom Brokaw's voice sounds like home to me because that was always on when I was a kid. That's awesome. And so so there was a lot of that. You know, we got the um, the paper, the San Jose Mercury News is what it grew up reading, and I just I, – I, Really wanted to do TV news is what I wanted to do initially when I was a kid. I was like, I want to do that. I think I could do that. That seems really cool. You get to go talk to lots of people. I'm super nosy, so it was. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, it was just one of those things that I just thought it'd be be fun, and so um, that was sort of the course I set for myself. And like, I was on the high school paper, and like, you know, did all that stuff. And so, you know, as a high school paper, I got an undergrad degree in journalism. And I was managing editor. Our college had a daily newspaper. I was managing editor of that. It had a daily newspaper? Daily newspaper in college. Because I was on our community college weekly the newspaper. Weekly. Yeah. 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 Uh, but the I didn't really. That's, that's a lot that's for. A, that's it intense. Was, it was intense. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went, to, I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, and their okay. whole shtick is learn by doing. And so the doing was we had, a, we had a daily paper. And so you either had to do the newspaper or you had to do the TV station or you had to do the radio station. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and so, fun fact, Weird Al Yankovic went to college there, and that's how he got his name, Weird Al. And he was a DJ for the really? radio station. Was I know. Was it around the same time you were there? Or no. was it? Okay. I'm not yeah, that old. Yeah, I was about Jeez. to say, wait, no. Like, Damn, man. I got to place my uh, <laughs> timeline right here. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so, yeah. So, I just, I, like, set myself on this path and just continued to follow it. And then, like, when I was looking to go to grad school, it was kind of the crossroads of life to be like, what am I going to do now? And 
when I'd been covering local government, I'd super nerded out on urban planning. And I really was into, like, because I covered the city that was growing really fast and, like, there was just tons of developments going in. So I was reading EIR, what is it, environmental impact reports and, like, all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And um, So first dates were awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was super fun. <laughs> so it was just, like, so I... I really was interested in that and I thought well maybe I, I should do this and I, I toyed with that idea for a while but of, then of going into government of going into like um, urban planning or something like that and then but then the more I thought about it the more I was like no my heart's not that much into it like I really love being a reporter like I don't know it's probably some sort of psychosis and like that's like what my whole like idea of who I am is but that was so I, I was like no no and so then I just went back and I got a I got a second journalism degree oh wow because <laughs> one wasn't enough um, What's that? So What's that in? So I have a I have a, a bachelor's in journalism and then I've got a master's in journalism okay. with a kind of a focus that was on like new media or something like that. So when I graduated initially um, from undergrad, stuff still kind of went the way that like journalism had always been going, where you know you you get your job at the small daily and you work your way up kind of thing. But while I was in my first job is when Facebook really started to be a thing. Like, they started letting people who weren't in college be on it. Mm -hmm. And the website, we had to start updating our website regularly, like, at this daily. And so, because when I first started, everything was just about the paper, the paper, the paper. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we also got to update the website, like, twice a day or something. And I was like, oh, that's, that's different. And so that all was starting to happen at the same time, like the whole industry started to really I remember that period um, yeah. sort of contract in terms of like papers buying each other mm-hmm. and, and mergers and mm-hmm. stuff and and then those went bad and then all of the um, newsrooms really started to shrink and mm-hmm. so like our newsroom conta- our newsroom shrank I can't remember the numbers now but it the number of people covering the local news got smaller my job got bigger because like by the end I was covering a city of about a hundred thousand people a neighboring city that was real small but had a lot of issues um, with its its government, and then um, I covered the airport district that was within the our area because we had a little regional airport. I was the point person for the national forest that was nearby that mm-hmm. always would burn down every the summer. Coast? Yeah, the Los Padres National mm-hmm. Forest is up there, and so I was point person for that. I was point person for like our state representatives and like the politics stuff and like our DC people. So it was just like. The job kept getting bigger, and I really wanted to understand how it was changing and, like, how do you use this new social media stuff? And, like, yeah. what is this going to mean for me? And, like, how do I use these tools? But I didn't have the time to do it because I was doing, like, 57 jobs. So, so. much already. Yeah, yeah, so that's so I went back to grad school. Yeah. That's actually a really good point is because uh, one of the things that I've watched interest with a lot of interest is that journalists seem to have this problem of having such a broad scope because there's so few of them Mm -hmm. relative to what there was that it feels like it's a lot harder to put out like quality focused content so like investigative journalism i've always kind of thought like is that like in danger and stuff like that and has like your experience with social media has that made that problem worse or better like i mean it's one of those it depends on you know the organization that you're working for and and Mm -hmm. what they care about and what they um find important like Um, you know, at the Business Journal, I mean, we're putting out a lot of content every day, but at the same time, like, the editors fully support us if we start kind of down a rabbit hole of something. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you might not be given, like, 
just weeks to go and like investigate what you want to do right. but you know if you want to take a few hours here or there on like a Thursday or Friday after we're through like the weekly deadlines and stuff like that and you tell them they're they're like yeah you know we want you to look into this stuff and so it does it takes I think more discipline which I still haven't mastered but it takes more discipline to be able to be like okay I have a few hours here to whittle away at this thing that I'm working on mm-hmm. um, we have a, another reporter Matt Kish he's really good at that um, and he does a lot of our investigative stuff are, so. you, are you down a couple rabbit holes yourself right now um, let's see not at the moment I mean I'm working on some cover story stuff that we do and we, we do those on a regular cadence mm-hmm. which you get a little bit more time mm-hmm. than cool. regular daily stories but yeah that's that's awesome because I I think the one thing no one really thinks about is the day to day of like a journalist because mm-hmm. I I consume probably too much news and I having like not I mean I was never really a journalist like I like flunked out of community college so wasn't <laughs> but you know I wrote articles and stuff like that and it made me really realize that uh, the amount of work that goes into mm-hmm. the story and like the inverted pyramid and all that kind oh, of stuff yeah. is just kind of astounding and I wonder um, is is that something that's easier now with all the technology just that the day-to-day process mm. or is that getting harder because I know that there's like all this talk about like technology writing articles right. for people right like, well there's like I think it's what I don't know there's a couple um, news organizations that I think use um, software to write like earning stories because those are a lot of like they're very formulaic and you can sort of like plug numbers in kind of mm-hmm. thing and so oh weird okay so those there's there's already some of that going on and i think there's there was a couple startups that were doing like um sports stories like game stories based on um using software um i think i don't know i think it's kind of a double-edged sword there because it's like there's tools and stuff to make it easier but then at the same time there's just so much more coming at you mm-hmm. you know like I mean I probably have an unhealthy I'm on Twitter probably an unhealthy amount um, <laughs> I mean I'm usually writing yeah. I've usually so I've got like my email open and people are sending me emails I've got like whatever screen open that I'm writing whatever I'm writing and then Twitter going in the background so I can just see this like feed of stuff coming and mm-hmm. so it's just I mean it's a lot of stuff to, to digest and in the industry, is there a particular thing that you like to to cover, like um, like whether it's like new news coming in, or if it's like a scandal breaks, or if there's just like the performance of the kind of the startup scene in Portland? Mm-hmm. Is there is there something that you gravitate more <coughs> towards? Um, well, let's see. I don't know. I've definitely, I think, done a lot more um, coverage of trying to sort of broaden the base of like the the companies that we do cover you know Mm -hmm. um to make sure that like we are covering all of the different um people starting companies you know it's not just all the tech startups by like you know super young white guys but you know (laughs) trying to to get like all of the different things that are going on um so i definitely am trying to to do that more and that's like a a, a, my own kind of conscious effort on that um that's awesome i like i mean i it's always stories are always different like I was at uh, a couple weeks ago I was at this Daimler thing they had a big like event looking at their self-driving trucks that they're doing and, like all of this go. truck technology <laughs> I'm like a huge nerd and all that's so interesting yeah and it was it was actually really cool like I, I know I had to go and it was like on a Wednesday and Wednesdays were terrible days for us to have to be out of the office because um, like early in the day um, uh-huh. because uh, that's our big deadline day for the weekly paper so oh, okay we're like 
I mean, we've got deadlines throughout the day normally, but then that's like extra because it's like we're getting everything because mm-hmm. it's got to ship to the printer and stuff like that. And so like this was a Wednesday afternoon or mid morning, af- early afternoon. I was out there, and um, but it was really interesting. And th- those are those are always fun. And like I like kind of you know the the cool research that's going on. I really like covering that kind of stuff as much as I can. Yeah, I have a question. Mm-hmm. What what's it like covering tech in Portland? Like, I, I remember, I think I remember when you started, like, mm-hmm. I was around. Um, and I'm really kind of curious as to get your insights about, like, what the community is here right. is like from your point of view. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, well. like, the white guy startup thing, and we talked to Steve and Rick about that. I mean, it's still a thing. Oh, yeah, it's still a thing. <laughs> it did not change in two short weeks. Sadly. No, no. <laughs> um, it's, uh, well, I have sort of a limited view. So I grew up in Silicon Valley, but I wasn't actually paying attention. Um sort of thing like it, it was just kind of always there and then um the only other like tech community that i've covered was in pittsburgh so i don't really have much to like compare and contrast mm-hmm. to like of that kind of thing but um it has been interesting covering two tech communities that are outside of silicon valley because there's a lot of similar i hear a lot of similar complaints you know <laughs> like there's not enough money and and that kind of stuff and it's like well i think unless you're in silicon valley maybe new york or boston that's mm-hmm. just going to be the problem. Like, yeah, that's always the problem. Um, but uh, it's it definitely. I was pleasantly surprised at how like welcoming and friendly it was, sort of thing. In, in Portland. In Portland, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you get the like the idea of like you know, and this is probably just from all the movies and TV shows and stuff that like, oh, nobody's going to talk to you, and they don't. Nobody wants to do any of this stuff. But like, I got here and I was introduced to Rick Tarosi. Mm-hmm. Um, as everybody is. And um, he immediately told me, like, you know, you should talk to these people. And then I went and, you know, emailed those people. And then I was like, oh, awesome. And everybody got coffee. I was very caffeinated for, like, the first, like, <laughs> two months that I was here. Because everybody's like, come, let's have coffee. coffee yeah. So coffee, coffee, I, like, coffee. had a ton of coffees. And, like, every time that person would then turn around and introduce me to, like, two or three other people. And so it was just this sort of big snowball effect. Oh, I mean, nice. I was at... Um, Just jumped right in. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I was at Cafe Umbria um, when I, I first sw- got here with... Just went there today. Right? Yeah. I was meeting uh, um, Diane Freeman from Voyager Capital, and um, she hangs out there a lot. And so I was having coffee with her. And just in the time I was there with her, she just basically like, walked me around the cafe to like all of the other people who were there, who mm-hmm. were instrumental in the scene, who just happened yeah. to be there that day. Yeah. yeah. And so I, was, I joked, I just like, can I hang out with you every day? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it was... It's kind of nice. Yeah. Cafe Umbria is exactly. the spot. Hot tip, guys. Yes. If you need to stu- start a startup in Portland. Yeah. Although, I don't know. I feel like it might. I don't know if it, it'll it'll continue with its dominance now that, like, you know, Rick and Pi have decamped from the Pearl over to Inner Southeast. Ah, very true. True. So, I don't yeah. know what the new coffee shop will be. Where do you see, like, the... Uh, kind of the scene going I don't know do you have any like kind of that's actually a fantastic kind of question because I've always wondered if it's going to stay downtown um I think it'll stay like in the core because like I don't see and I don't know I'm usually pretty bad at guessing but um, I I don't see it all of a sudden everybody moves to Beaverton like oh yeah well you have so much knowledge though like of just you being so involved right you know it's like from your perspective yeah I mean I definitely see like more stuff is happening and like um uh, what is it? The Central East Side Industrial District, so that mm-hmm. kind of inner southeast. Um, you know, more stuff happening there, um, and that kind of being the the cool place because I think you know, I mean, the Pearl's probably too expensive for like actual like a startup. Um, yeah. 
but I would see maybe like Chinatown as it's transitioning and like I said the inner southeast kind of area like I just yeah. feel like all of this sort of central city where you've got all of the transit and mm-hmm. stuff kind of leading to I think people are still going to want to be by that yep. because that's important I mean every time I talk to a company that moves from somewhere else into downtown it's because they want to be near the transit they want bikeability and mm-hmm. they want to be near all like the food carts and the restaurants and stuff like that definitely makes a difference the mm-hmm. convenience of everything and then just kind of bumping into other people yeah you know? well from so, a company perspective they want it because they are trying to um, yeah they, they're trying to get these employees mm-hmm. and you want to be able to be like oh look and our office is in the middle of where everything is yeah um, do you, you oh sorry do Matt. you see like a certain um, sector of the of the tech scene out here like growing faster than the rest like if it's like software or, or mm, what else would there be? <laughs> I think there's there be? A, we work at a SaaS company. It's the, the only, only thing. <laughs> well, I think there's going to be, um, there's definitely been a, a growth with the software companies. I mean, because for so mm-hmm. long, Portland was, I mean, it was Silicon Forest because of all of the Silicon mm-hmm. hardware stuff. But I feel like it'll be interesting to see how the growth of this sort of, uh, like, hey, is an internet of things, like connected device kind of yeah. stuff, how that happens, because that is such a melding of those two disciplines Mm -hmm. and so you know does the all of those really smart people working out at intel and stuff you know how does that factor into these new areas growing here yeah and that sort of stuff well even like uh ar like Mm -hmm. i know in oregon um wow i used to be on the advisory board and i can't remember no oregon ogo oh oregon 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 gaming organization Mm -hmm. sorry peter lund uh, when, <laughs> yeah, um, damn, I'm going to get called on that hard. Uh, you can edit that out. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, when uh, I, I know, like, there was a lot of talk just because we have all these creative people mm-hmm. and then AR, you know, Microsoft's not that far away. Um, it just makes sense here so much that, mm-hmm. like, you know, the talent, like, on the tech side and then the creative side, it just feels, like, so natural. Mm-hmm. I mean, with especially with, like, Leica. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. movie studio, but I, I feel like that definitely melds those two worlds. Or even mm-hmm. just, like, all of the um, the creative agencies that are in town. You know? So, so like, many. It's one of, like, there's every, like, there's so many of those places where it's like, well, what are you doing? It's like there there's some sort of, like, you know, melding of kind of this, like, marketing and tech and, like, all mm-hmm. of that stuff and thinking of experiences. That's the big thing is you got to create an experience. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of those people here. And, um, yeah, I feel like when some companies <coughs> lose some employees, just, you know, the ups and downs, mm-hmm. they just go to, like, a similar company or maybe even, like, cross right. into a different industry. So yeah. there's a lot of, like, newer kind of, like, innovations in terms of, like, skills that are being developed. Mm-hmm. In this town, yeah, it, it kind of feels like it's a it's, it's gonna really be interesting to look back in five or ten years mm-hmm. and see like oh okay that's where it went, mm-hmm. right. um, especially in that, those kind of things because I mean sometimes I'm just watching like Reddit I spend way too much time on that website you do with the uh, well I'll be reading something I'll be like that's amazing and I was like oh that's in Portland I didn't realize that's cool and that happens a lot and it feels like that creative tech thing is yeah yeah really picking up steam yeah so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because I think AR and VR still is part of like in the what is it the 
the hype cycle or whatever that uh, like, Gartner cool talks about. They have. Have you ever seen the Gartner hype cycle? No. What is it? Oh my god! It's so Gartner is this. Um, they're like a research firm for like tech and stuff like that, and IT and things. And they have something called the hype cycle, which is like the life cycle of like a new technology. Mm. And all of the points on the hype cycle are like places out of Tolkien, because it's like we're at the <laughs> the. Oh, what is it? There's the. Um, Oh, now I can't remember what it is. So you're going to have to Google it. But there's like the, the plateau of like disillusionment or something like that. And the plateau of <laughs> disillusionment. Because it's like where, where like the, the tech gets super hyped and then people are like, meh. Eh. And, then, yeah. and then it goes down and then it evens out again. And so, you know, I think AR and VR have kind of kind of are going through that. And uh-huh. I mean, I... So I'm a tech reporter, but I'm also not a huge early adopter. Like, unless something fits into my life and the way that I do things, I'm not going to. So at this point, I don't, like, I don't play video games. And so I'm like, why would I buy a VR headset? Yeah. Like, there's no... Because you're not going to do office work in your VR. <laughs> like, you, like, technically you could. Like, right, they're, right. They're... But, and so, so I, th- I think the, the hardware and sort of the, the use case is still kind of a little mm-hmm. early and a little niche Yeah. Um, but I think it's gonna get there. I think maybe it'll get there through like business applications, like yeah. like in terms of like well, realware um, in Vancouver. Right. I mean that's that like kind the of best, thing. Yeah. The right. best example of that. Yeah, and so I think that kind of stuff might take it into sort of bring it into a little think more of the mainstream. But I don't. I'm not sure if we're we're when we're getting to a point where we're all wearing. AR glasses yeah. to Google in real life. Google really awkward in real life. So mm-hmm. I, I worked uh, as a customer service rep for Google Glass, which is like a weird fun fact about me. And <laughs> I wore it out in public, because you got one, because yeah. you had to know how to use it. <laughs> and I wore it in public one time no and then would never wear it again. Because <laughs> the creepiest feature with that thing was you could take a photo if you winked. Oh. So it'd be like, hey, girl. Ew. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that. Ew. Like, I don't want to wink and take a picture. <laughs> this right. real reaction. Right. It didn't help that it was, like, bright orange either. But, like, it, it's just too weird still, mm-hmm. I think. Well, I mean, I have the same sort of feeling with the snap spectacles as well. I'm like, I mean, I'm, you know, not in their demographics. So I mean, that's Me why either. I'm not yeah. into it. But I'm like, I don't know. It's, I, I like, I like sunglasses. Like, until they make it look like my sunglasses. Regular sunglasses. Like, yeah, it's not, this large clucky thing under face. Yeah, yeah definitely. I so I, I, I think it'll, it'll get there. I just don't know if it's going to happen. You know, like how quickly it'll happen and that kind of stuff. And so I, I think that's interest. It'll be interesting to just kind of see. There's a lot of companies here that are um, working in that space in various places. Um, yeah, there's still something missing. There's like a technology maybe to shrink it down. You know, that right. just hasn't been created yet. You well, know, like, and the, I mean, and like there's a company. What is it? Um, Torch 3D that's doing like develop like a, a tools for designers to be able to design stuff. Because that's the other thing is like if you can get the content there, yeah. you know, maybe the people well, will follow. It. And so mm-hmm. they're working on a, a tool to help people who aren't video game designers work with this new medium. And yeah. so I think that's also a piece that's that's kind of going to be there as well. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see how all these things come together. But mm-hmm. we're getting off track because we're sorry. not talking about VR or AR. We're talking sorry. about you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that was good It's though. fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. It's, it's, good it's transition. Cool. Good transition. <laughs> I'm really bad at transitions. Um, but I actually, can I ask you like mm-hmm. a serious question though? Yeah. Um, I don't think we've delved into politics yet on the show, but I'm going to go there. And I, I have a real big question. Like, what's it like to be a reporter right now in Donald Trump's America. Um, it's definitely different. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like um, reporters have always had to contend with like 
getting lumped into the media, like air quotes, the media, yeah. um, which is, you know, lumping in like the, the tabloids and like mm-hmm. the paparazzi and that sort of stuff, um, which always, you know, made your life more difficult because people would, you know, when you're trying to build trust with sources and things like that, and they're mm-hmm. thinking about the like inquirer or something. Um, so you've always had to contend with that sort of piece of it. But then this whole um, sort of increased element of like fake news, which I just I don't quite under like it's just a weird phrase to me because I was like it's if it's fake it's not news like by definition, but mm-hmm. that's a whole other issue. Um, the this whole willful I don't know if it's ignorance or what that's that's different, and I don't know how you break that. Like how you get through that sort of thing, um, where where people have been able to pick and choose and suss out their own reality, right? On, right. This idea of like questioning facts, yeah, that sort of stuff, and and that's like a bigger issue. And like I don't, I mean, I'm lucky in that you know I work at a, a in a business publication, so we're our audience is different than like the audience of, of a of, of, of regional like of a of a mid sized metro or something like that. And so um, we I haven't I haven't run into any difficulties on that level, but like, you know, um, at one point when I started my career I wanted to be a politics reporter and now I'm like, God, I'm glad I did right. not go into that. It's kind of what made me want to ask. Like um, I I yeah. So it's uh, what is it though? What is it about journalism that you know you wake up in the morning and you go mm-hmm. out and investigate these different situations and you want to get the information to people? Right. I mean, it's having an informed populace. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what makes democracy work, and on a very basic level. And so, I mean, I saw this when I was working for a daily for the daily paper that I worked at. Like, I covered the city, and they hadn't had somebody covering the city council really closely for a while before I got there. And, Which um, is also like terrifying, because <laughs> yeah. like all all politics is local and everyone ignores local news. It's, exactly, yeah. and so I got there and like there was this whole issue where um, the the Santa Maria Valley where I was working has this it had this huge um, history of um, oil drilling there because there, there's oil in Santa Barbara County and so they had this history of that back in like the 50s when there was you know no EPA and so when a well was done. There was there was the well, and then there was this hole that was next to the well that they would put all of the like scraps and anything that came back up and like whatever, yeah, just in this hole next why to the well, you? yeah. And so, and this is back in the fifties, and they did what what was required at the time, bury it, yeah. And so, fast forward early two thousands, um, you know, the stuff is coming 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 back, it's bubbling up and yeah. things like that. And mm-hmm. so, there's all of these problems, and so the Oil companies started coming back to these, which are now neighborhoods, because houses have been built on top of all of this stuff. And like oh, they wow. had maps that they didn't really quite know where oh, anything man. was. <laughs> so they basically would show up at your house and be like, hey, can we drill some holes in your backyard? Um, exactly. And yeah, so that's, people, that's crazy. it was a little disconcerting. Well, the city that I covered was very entrepreneurial and always looking for ways to like make make money because... Prop 13 in California screwed everything up. So they were always looking for different revenue ways to pay for, you know, all of the city stuff. And so one of the ways they did was um, they got their landfill certified to be able to accept, which is essentially the dirty dirt that was coming out of these places that were being remediated, 
and use it as a capping material for the, for the landfill because you got to cap the landfill anyway. Yeah. yeah. So there's these things that you can do, these steps you can go through, and lining and all of this stuff. Anyway, so they did this. They they went through the whole process of getting that landfill certified, and like nobody covered it. And so I come in after the whole thing's been certified, programs up and running. I start writing stories about this stuff going to the landfill, and people were real, real concerned. They're like, "Wait, what's happening?" Like, and it just was one of those things that just was like showed the importance of somebody should pay attention to what's happening so that there can at least be this discussion to happen like before the fact and not after, after the fact. Because <laughs> um, like all that train left the station. And so, <laughs> yeah, this that, has already happened. Right. And so there's that or like, you know, the city would, there was an ordinance at one point where they wanted to limit the size of a vehicle that you could park in your front yard or like in your driveway. And this would take in things like somebody's big construction truck or yeah. van or whatever. And this is a working class town and people were not pleased with that. And it ended up, I think it ended up not passing, but it was one of those, like I covered that and that was like, you know, it was really important to people. And so just that experience just really sort of solidified this idea that you should pay attention to what's happening. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you think that's something that everyone lacks just in general? So one thing that I'm kind of ashamed of and I, I try to be more attentive and local stuff it's just kind of draining especially with everything that mm-hmm. um i'm gonna just out myself like i'm a tree hugging <laughs> like i'm a tree hugging progressive like other people are gonna listen to this i just need to like above board i'm very honest when like uh you know which is what's happening now but like even with like local stuff i'm just like i'm already so drained from just like turning on the news and just be like cool not really cool but i guess that's happening um, and then you turn on local stuff and then you hear like some dude wants you to not have this size of car in your driveway. It's just like, I don't want to do that right now because like it doesn't seem like it's important mm-hmm. or it's just like more stuff you have to pay attention to. Like, do you? Do you I don't f- know how you fix that. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I don't know how you fix yeah. that. Because I mean, it's because like, I mean, I, that's I, the person like yeah. you got to change your perspective on like what's more important. Right. Kind of a way. Yeah. Well, and there, you know, it, yeah, I mean, you have to pick and choose what you're going to be passionate about, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, I and I mean, even I'm definitely not as up to speed on, you know, local government stuff here. It's like, so when I was covering it, I was, like, deep into, like, local politics and state politics in California. And yeah. I feel like I'm definitely not as much now. I mean, I it depends on when it starts to cross into, like, stuff that I cover, and then I go down those rabbit yeah. holes. But um, I'm not as... Um, um, super plugged in as I used to be, and that mm. throws me a little fun. bit inside. <laughs> you have some fun here in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, sorry to ask, but it just seems like just such an interesting conversation to have mm-hmm. with someone who whose job is to report the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what journalists purport to do, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you strive to do. And it's just really interesting to see how much change uh, just around people's consumption of the news, how mm-hmm. they interact, what what they think is important. And and it's I also, mean, and these are all the stuff that like media organizations are themselves struggling with right now. I mean, I don't yeah. think any media organization has it figured out. Hmm. Um, no, that's very true. So, it's it's these are all big questions that like, you know, newsrooms are talking about, you know, all over the country. Yeah. And and uh the the other thing it, it just kind of brings up to especially Portland specifically is like we're so community based do you think more people would be very in tune like I, I I'm like Portland Mercury like I, that's where if I want to know Portland new stuff I just I read, <laughs> I read the Portland Mercury but and, and not to say anything bad about the Portland Mercury but that's a very specific outlook mm-hmm. on what the oh, city yeah. is and you know well the, I always encourage people to to get to 
to get your news from lots of places. Yeah, because the know? one source is bad. Yeah, and so, I mean, which is, I mean, I spend, like I said, a whole lot of time on Twitter, and most of my Twitter, is, like, the people that I follow is, you know, other reporters, and so mm-hmm. I'm seeing, like, what they're reporting on news organizations. Um, I mean, obviously, I follow lots of people in tech and stuff like that Yeah. to keep a hand, just to see what people are talking about and stuff like that, but, um, you know, it's it's getting, getting the information from lots of different places. Mm-hmm. So then when you see somebody who's, like, super out of left field on something, you can be like, wait, what? Like, you can look at something a little more critically. Yeah. Robots don't make tacos yet. Why do you... No. <laughs> it was a bad joke. That was good. That was good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, so what's, like, the... So so you have this career in journalism. It sounds like you're not slowing down that anytime soon. Like, I hope not. Good. I, I don't want you to. Um, what's like the next step? Like, are you? Oh my like, God! Are you my dad? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious too. Do you have like? <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you like have side projects? Like, is there something other than work that you um, like? Other stories you pursue? That yeah, we're not anything? really allowed to. So oh, um, okay. Like, you, you're not allowed a hobby. Like knitting is just no. You can, but like it. side oh, okay. pro. Like, mm. I'm not. I'm not a freelance writer. Also, yeah. You know, like that's not not. Not there's really not like allowed. there's not like a great sci-fi novel sitting in a drawer yeah. somewhere. I have no desire to be a novelist. Oh, um, okay. I like reading a lot of like fantasy sci-fi. So Ooh, really, I do that. Yeah. What are you reading? Oh my god, I am obsessed right now with N.K. Jemisin. I have um, no idea who that is. Oh my god, educate me. You yeah. have to read her. Okay. Um, so she wrote the first one I read was the Broken Earth series. Um, so it's three books. That's the what's the first one? Um, the fifth season, the Obelisk Gate and Stone Sky. So good. So like, good. So good. Right, I yeah. mean, it's okay. a lot of like dismantling power structures. And okay. it's and it's in this whole other like her ability to create this other world is just amazing. And so I read that and then as soon as I finished reading it, I was like, I want to read this again. And I was like, no, give it time. So I put it down and then I went and got another one of her trilogies and read that instead. Yeah. Um and so I just finished that. And uh it also is very good because it's very much like the whole basis of it is if you have a society based on like a huge injustice, can it be corrected? And Ooh. is it worth being corrected? That sounds mm-hmm. really painfully yeah. relevant right yeah, now. I know, right? <laughs> it is, what and you... it is so good. So that 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 series is called the Inheritance Trilogy, uh-huh. um, and I just finished that one. Oh, what do you see as like our biggest injustice right now? Oh, Matt, with that question, no, I'm curious. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you like if you're reading this sci-fi novel, you can like see the kind of comparison. Oh, oh, it's I mean, it's I just, just look at all of the race relations in the country right okay. now. I mean, yeah. I just leave it at that. But um, so anyway, so I've been obsessed with with her books so far mm-hmm. this year. Um, and then I I had never read any Ursula K. Le Guin, and when she died, all oh. of these writers that I really like started talking about how much she influenced them, and I was like, what? Oh, I haven't read this person. And so I went and I just read The Left Hand of Darkness, which is very good. Ooh. Um, is that another sci-fi or fantasy? Yeah. 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 I've been on a big sci-fi fantasy kick because reality is reality, yeah. tough no. right now. Escapism is fun. Right. Um, like, because I actually would nev- never have uh, clocked you as somebody who really likes those. That's crappy to say, because it's just like, <laughs> I judged you and you were not that person, <laughs> which is not what I meant. <laughs> Damn, man. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I know. I'm going to admit that to myself. That was that was mean. But to like, everybody. Yeah, to everybody. <laughs> this is being recorded. Guess what I learned today? Aaron Epperson is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Fuck>. Um, <laughs> no, because, like, I, I mean, Game of Thrones, like, I really like Game of Thrones. Yeah. But See, I have not read those. 
Well, the, the, I like the show. The books are great, but the, mm-hmm. the reason I like Game of Thrones is because I feel justified that all these like cool jocks now understand why I was sitting there with like a <laughs> stupid fat bub in high school, going like, "What is happening?" Because nice. like they all like didn't get like nerd like that sucks, and I was like, "The dude has a knife, guys! Like he's about to <laughs> stab mean, a dragon." I like, was. <laughs> I was I was a drama geek a drama geek so oh, I was you? in the drama club and in the plays and I was on the high school newspaper so I was not I mean that that makes sense was, though because like you're super outgoing like social like you can work a room really well I guess you have to if you're a reporter but like that totally makes sense about you uh, like you can just kind of like get in there and like read people and well talking about reading books and stuff have you read the King Killer Chronicles that's another one I've heard of that big fat although the the caveat being the third book's not done and I don't know when it's gonna be done and it makes me sad but that's also very good yeah I'm it's an Matt's gonna murder me because I keep <laughs> dropping things when we're recording podcasts. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> we always <laughs> say that, dude. We never do. Um, yeah. the, it's a lot harder than it sounds when you say, we'll just edit that we'll out. We'll just yeah. edit it out. And then we'll you go and you're like, damn it. I'm gonna get fired from this podcast. It's just gonna be Matt here. <laughs> Your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I was gonna say, like, the, the series I'm reading now, and it kind of touches on, like, you know, sweeping giant epics, is the Malazan Book of the Fallen. Mm which is everyone should read it because the guy who wrote it, Steven Erickson, he wrote eight books and his buddy wrote six books, but it was based on their D&D game world. <laughs> but the benefit about what makes it awesome is that they're both trained archaeologists, anthropologists. Uh-huh. So he just basically like shoves you into the book and he's like, I'm not explaining anything. You're just going to figure out what's happening. And you're reading it and you're like, who the hell is this? Because they mention like, like the like the deity structures, uh-huh. and they're just like having a conversation. Like if we were talking about church, there's no glossary. Yeah, at the but end? there's there is, but oh, okay. like you have to like go back and be like, I don't understand. Oh, oh, it's this dude. But like, it, it, but he like really the second book mm-hmm. is basically the trail of tears on like nitro, oh. and like it is just reading through that is like. Oh my god! And like you turn the page, it's like something good is gonna have to. No, nope, oh, just worse. Downer. But like it made it like really reminded me because <laughs> I just recently reread it. It's fantastic because huh. he really builds out like societies. Right. And why mm-hmm. does this tribe believe That's in this? Yeah. And like the gods are real and they're all like screwed up people. It's awesome. Well, have you read American Gods? Neil yeah, Damon? American Gods yeah. is people who don't. People all need to read that. That should be like required reading in high school. <laughs> Um, it's so good. So good. But um, but it like really talks about like you know like okay well, there's this terrible thing happening, and the reason I've always loved sci-fi and fantasy is like it lets you look at this terrible thing mm-hmm. and like ignore all of your baggage about it and just kind of like go through. It. I mean, right. that's the classic Star Trek mm-hmm. episode is like uh, um, uh, there was like this '80s. Okay, I'm gonna nerd nerd hardcore. Which so. are we going next generation? Because if it's next, next generation, generation, I know it. It was yeah. when Beverly Crusher uh-huh. fell in love. Oh, with, with the, the ghost. Trill. Oh. No, with the trill. Oh, And then he yes. was all like, "I love you." And then because he's a parasite thing. Yes. He. I'm gonna get some trick. He's gonna write. He's not a parasite. <laughs> uh, like he's gonna. And it got transferred into a woman. And then she was yes. like, "Blah blah, are you the same person?" Like it's that. Like okay, like that's a whole conversation about sexuality that no one realized was happening in the Star Trek episode, <laughs> like nineteen eighty-eight, right? And like yes. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's like the best way because it goes back to like, okay, well, how do we take what's wrong in society mm-hmm. and like talk about it? And it's like we 
we can't talk about it, but we can like talk about this other thing. This is really that thing, but it's not. So we can pretend, <laughs> but we can talk about it over here. Like yeah. I wonder if that's like a way towards that. I don't know. It's just, way to change minds, at least to get people thinking about. That. Yeah, like oh, okay, like I can empathize. Mm-hmm. I can't empathize with this situation, but I can empathize, with, and then it leads me back you to know. being like oh, to and, and leads you back to thinking like oh, that other thing that yeah, we yeah. Are, yeah. It's education through storytelling, which mm-hmm. I think. And that's leads us right back to you being a reporter. Because I, exactly. I guess mm-hmm. in a way that is, damn, that was deep. Oh, so <laughs> deep. <laughs> I'm glad that we got here. to touch on all of this. <laughs> See, everybody's going to find out what a big nerd I am and my love of uh, Next Generation and my sci-fi reading habits. And I did also start learning how to play D&D. I never played as a kid. I was banned from the only game of D&D I ever played Mm. because I made a character who got into the game because he was doing LSD and looked into a mirror. (laughs) What? Yeah, because I was like, I've never done this before. They were like, make a character. And I was like, okay. (laughs) He was just a druggie that showed up from New York. And then they banned me. (laughs) Nice, nice. Okay. I Um, like it. But uh, anyway... I'm really uncool. But, no, that, I mean, it sounds like you're super cool. Like, I, like the love of all that kind of stuff is really awesome. Um, but it sounds like you're staying around Portland for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah, I really like Portland. So I, um, like I said at the beginning, I wanted to get back to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking, um, I somebody in our, our company, one of the recruiters, kind of got wind that I was looking and she, I was interested in, in getting back to the West Coast. And... She found, she was like, hey, well, there's, first she said, there's a job in Denver. What do you think about that? And I was like, that is not west enough. Um, it's <laughs> also, too east, lady. It also <laughs> snows, so no. So, and then she was like, well, there's this job in Portland. Are you interested? I was like, yes, I am. And then that whole thing happened and I got this job. Um, because, so my family's all along the West Coast. And so it's just, you know, it's easy to get to all the places that I want to go from Portland. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people bag on like the airport like oh it doesn't go place i was like it goes all the places i want to go <laughs> so yeah. it the... helps exactly. <laughs> it helps me um so, easy. so yeah um so i yeah my parents are still down in the bay area um and it's you know too expensive to live down there doing oh, what yeah. i do so yeah I, that, I, the I, whole bay area is just a yeah, yeah. i moved back because i was making a lot, what I thought was a lot of money, but was like minimum wage, really, <laughs> if you're there. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, everything gets lifted up a bit. Um, yeah. So, um, I know, I, I really like Portland. It was one of those things, too, where like when I first moved to, to Pittsburgh, like I just didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, oh, maybe this will be home. Like, this is great. I was there for four years, and I, it never really felt like home. I always still kind of felt like I was visiting. Yeah. And um, I got to Portland, and I was here for maybe two weeks, and I was like, "Yep, I'm home." Like it yeah, had, it immediately yeah. felt like home, and I, I don't know if it's just because it, things looked more familiar. Like you know, even like the trees are more the same. Like it was, there was just something that like, it felt more familiar than than being in Western Pennsylvania, and so I'm perfectly happy. Cool, <laughs> that's awesome. Where can people reach you? Or, um, so you, you said you're on. Twitter. Oh yeah, so I should. Um, I am on Twitter. I think it's. PDX Bismalia, I believe is my handle. Right. It is, because I was looking at it today. Okay, cool. I always have to, I, and for some reason I can never remember. I can also never remember my phone number, so my office number, so I have it like on a sticky note next to my phone. Um, so you can reach me on Twitter. You can always drop me an email. It's just mspencer at bizjournals.com. Um, we're online. The paper is, obviously. And then everybody should be getting my newsletter. I have a newsletter that comes out on oh. Mondays and Wednesdays. 
called Tech Flash, because yeah, my, our, our audience development person would be very mad if I don't mention this. Tech so, Flash? It's called Tech Flash. All right. You should all sign up for it, because um, if you're interested in kind of what's going on in the community, like who's doing what, who's raising money, who's moving, all that sort of stuff, that's where all of those stories go. Um, right. It's called Tech Flash, but it's most it's all the stuff I cover, so it also will include other entrepreneurial kind of things. So. Um, other kind of startups are in there too. It's not all just super hardcore tech. Nice. So. Is there anything specifically you want to plug? Um, no, I think it was mostly just that. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, and also, you're a first, you're a first lady. Yay! Yeah, you're yeah. first. Woo! It took us too long. It should have been like sooner, but whatever. We got, we got. As long as you're acknowledging it and you're working on it. All the time. Oh yeah, definitely. We have like Lisa. Yeah, we got a lot of people. We had a lot of cool people coming up. Awesome. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, so I guess thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you want to support the show, please tell a friend about us. Give us an all-star rating on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. Uh, and you can always get in contact with us by going to www.and3hs.com. Uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Thank you too much.